0: And this is a passage that I really enjoy uh, preaching out of, and it, it is a challenge. Uh, and and e- even, though, even though I have uh, preached uh, over this passage, um, that doesn't mean that I'm immune to the truth in it, and it doesn't mean that I still, even knowing what the passage is getting at, struggle with this reality. And so I hope it's an encouragement to you in the book of Romans, we're going to be in in, in just go to chapter one to start off with because I want you to see this uh, truth unfold actually, three truths unfold that you have to buy into for chapter 10 to really have the punch that it was meant to have. I, I believe we'll be in chapter one of Romans, but before we, 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 we start looking at the verses, I just there's a couple questions that really get the, this going here in our minds. If, if the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, then then why doesn't everyone who hears it believe it? And if the gospel is so simple that, that even a child can understand it, then, then why are still so many confused? And what happens to those who never accept the gospel? Or, or even greater, what happens to those who never get a chance to even hear the gospel? I mean, how does that work out? And, and then probably where we live a lot more, what, what about those that keep rejecting the gospel? Maybe your family, you've given it to them time and time again, or a neighbor, a coworker, and you've given them the gospel and they've rejected I don't want to hear that anymore. What do you do with those kind of people? How does God view that? Well, the Apostle Paul answers these kind of questions in the book of Romans in chapter 10. But like I said, for us to really get to that, the emphasis that chapter 10 was meant to have, I believe that there are three truths about humanity that you have to buy into that are biblical truths. And the first one is that all people know there's a God. That is it's really basic, but, but follow with this. in verse 18 of Romans. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Well, Why is it revealed against them? Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, don't, let, don't pass that by. Do you notice that all men hold the truth? They have the truth. You say, well, the truth about what? Well, it's the truth about a creator, about there being a creator. He says that in verse 19, because that which we be known of God is manifest, it's clear in them. What, how is it clear? Well, God showed it unto them. Well, okay, well, what did God show to them? Verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. It's not like it's as confusing. You know, I, I think the principle you could draw from that is what we hear a lot in apologetics. You know, you, you believe that everything came from nothing? No, clearly it came from something. I know that's what he's saying. It's clearly seen. Like, obviously, things come from things, okay? And that's kind of the idea here. You say, well, well, well what's the problem? Well, verse 21, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. See, see this is the issue. Paul, but Paul is saying this God has revealed to everyone that has come into the world, there's a creator. Now, many of you have uh, maybe you've heard of the Aka Indians. They were that remote tribe of Indians that were instrumental in the death. I mean, they, they were, yeah, in the death of Nate Sane and Jim Elliott and Roger Darien and those, those, that team that went down there to, to try to make contact and share the gospel with them. And, and they, they you know, that one day they're on the river there and they that made that first contact and the second contact. The next day, they ended up massacring them. And uh, it, was a, it was a tragic thing. It really, it really was that these, these bright people had just... A lot of Christianity was, was, was up frustrated that they would throw their lives away, that they, they should have known better to make contact with them, but they were trying to get the gospel to them. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but many years later, of course, a lot of them in that tribe got saved. And many years later... Uh, one of them is, I have his quote here. Here's what he said. One of those that was there at the death of them, he said, I've noticed that many of you Westerners think that we ran around killing and eating people because we didn't know better. He said, that's not true. We, listen, we always knew there was a deity of some kind and that he was very displeased with what we were doing. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? How about Helen Keller? Helen Keller. You know, we, we, she was born both blind and, and deaf. She had no external input, no, nothing to feed into what she should believe, no way to communicate. And yet the account goes that as Dr. Brooks and Ms. Sullivan were communicating with her through finger pressure, as they got the idea of God across to her, it says that Helen Keller responded back like this. She said, I've known him. I've known him a long, long time. Talking about God. I just didn't know what to call him say, well, what is your point? Here's my point, that even in the heart of someone who has no eyes to see or ears to hear, God has written himself there. God has written himself there, which establishes a very, very important fact about missions and about all this. Atheism is not a natural belief. It's not an innate belief. It's a learned one. And that's why every culture and every part of the world ever discovered is religious. Here's what I'm saying. There is... No innocent native somewhere. There's not an innocent native. We're all guilty. We've, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. No one's born an atheist. And, and I think it's important that, that, that I, I say that. That may seem obvious maybe to some of you, but I'll, I'll tell you personally, I, I've been in, in, in full-time ministry for almost 11 years now. But for a good part of that, I, I had began to, to give the atheists the credibility that they were saying. I, I, I even have close family that are atheists still. And I've been in many conversations, and they would deny, deny, deny. And, and as a teenager growing up and trying to figure all this out, you know, I, I began to wonder, oh, I, maybe they're telling the truth. And then as I'm reading through the Bible, it's like I'm, I'm, coming, I'm being confronted with this reality. Am I going to trust what the testimony of someone upset and angry at God would say or what God says about himself? And Paul's real clear, let God be treating every man a liar. And so this is really what it comes down to. The the issue isn't, do people know if there's a God? That's that's not the issue. Okay, well, what's the problem? Well, we already saw it in verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Just for sake of time, go down to verse 25. What, What did they do? Who changed the truth of God into a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. You see, it's not a coincidence that there's a theory, that there's a substitute, that there's some other idea out there to replace, to, to get out of our minds the fact that there's a God. It's not a coincidence those things are being pushed so hard. Why? Because men and women are trying their hardest to get the God they know to be out of their minds. They, they, they don't want it. And he says this in verse 28 of Romans. Verse. Look at it says. And even as they did not like to retain God, where? In their knowledge well how do you get rid of something you know you just got to try to overload with something else they're just trying to get rid of this you're coming up with all these theories and all these abilities why here's why because we all know there's a god and we've rejected him those are the first two truths which leads to the third one that you have to buy into otherwise missions kind of loses its bite all men are guilty before god There's none righteous, no, not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so again, the fact is is this, all of humanity is guilty, not because of what we don't know and haven't heard, but because of what we already have known and what we've done with it. And I'll say it again. What I'm telling you tonight is that there is no such thing as an innocent native in some remote tribe. They don't exist. And unfortunately, many in our, even Christianity would say, I say Christianity in quotes, they would say something like this. Well, wouldn't it be unfair if Jesus were to judge a person or condemn a person, especially if they didn't even get a chance to hear? Well, friend, that's not the issue, is it? Because John is very clear in chapter 3, verse 19. He says, this is the condemnation. What's the condemnation? That light has come into the world. Now, if you look at that word light in John chapter 3, it's not an uppercase L. He's not referring to deity there, it's a lowercase. He's just talking about light in general, that God has revealed himself to people. And, and what did they do? Well, it says that they rejected that. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. That's what he says. Now, one question that you, that you have to deal with that comes up is, well, what about babies? You know, what about small children? What about the mentally challenged or handicapped? I mean, are, are they guilty before God? Well, let's just go back to the Bible, right? What did, why did Paul say that these people stand condemned? Because they hold the truth in unrighteousness. They have the mental capacity to understand it and they make a choice about it. And so therefore, God holds them accountable to that. Now, here's a question. Do babies or do the mentality challenge understand the law? No. Now, do they have hearts inclined to sin? Yes, as you saw, I have five children. I have never taught them to sin. They have done it themselves. I'm teaching them not to. Now, they've learned some things from me, but I'm saying they knew to lie. It's just already happened. And so, yeah, they do have hearts inclined to sin, but, but does God hold them accountable for that? Well, not until they have the knowledge of it. So so now that you understand that, this really leads to Romans 10. So go ahead and turn to Romans 10. I want you to see this. Paul is going to build a case based on these three premises about humanity. This is why we need missions. He's going to let us see the three reasons why people haven't come to salvation yet and what to do with each of them. What to do with with each of them. Look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him... In whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in Him, of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach, except they be sent? There was a uh, a pastor was telling me one day he was out door knocking, and as he got to this one particular house, an, an Iranian man came to the door, and as they were talking, he was sharing the gospel with them, The man looked at him and he said, "Hey." If that is true, what you just told me, I would go everywhere and tell that. And he said, and if that is so true, then how come I never heard that in Iran? That's a good question, isn't it? See, why did he never hear the gospel in Iran? Why did he never hear it in this country? Well, I'll tell you why, because nobody told him yet. I mean, that's just the obvious thing. And so do you know why many people of the road have not called on Christ? It's they don't believe. Well, why don't they believe? Well, they haven't even heard of him yet. Well, why haven't they heard? Well, because nobody has told them yet. And that's what Paul was saying in verse 14. Don't don't get confused. He's saying, listen, people are ready to be saved, but how will they unless they hear? So this is one of the the first reasons why many have not believed yet is because they have not heard yet. You You gotta let that sink in. Because what that means then is that there are people even up here in this area that if they were to hear the gospel, that is what it would take and they'd come to Christ. Now, we have no idea what that'd be. And, I, and I'm guessing that you would probably think of my statement and say, well, I don't know because I've talked a lot of people and they reject it. I know, we're gonna get to that, don't get ahead of, your, ahead of us here. This is what's going on, they, they, what do these people need? They need a preacher to tell them. Now, that word for preacher, you can study this out yourself, Look this up, it's not referring to someone with an official title, uh, someone who has on his, in his office uh, two different uh, picture frame degrees, who's been ordained. He's not talking about someone with an official title who's had training. The word for preacher in the Bible is a herald. A herald was just a messenger. Someone who was given a message from the king to go on his behalf and share that message. And, and last time I checked, we were all given the great commission Right from our king. We were commissioned from Christ to go out to every creature and to give his message and to teach him not just the gospel, but also about baptism and also about observing what he's taught. This isn't just a job for your pastor or staff or some elite people. This idea of the gospel is is for all of us. It's for all of us. And it really is a privilege, by the way, to give the gospel, that God would entrust us with such a, a powerful message. I mean, you think about this. The moment that you got saved, you went from an eternity in hell that was coming for you to an eternity in heaven. Why? Because somebody literally shared a set of words with you. Now, we know it's, it's more than that, but I'm not trying to be reverent. I'm just saying they shared the gospel with you. They, they said some things to you, and because of that, you went from an eternity in hell to an eternity in heaven. That, that, that is amazing. And that God would entrust us with such a message is astounding, and it is a blessing. It's a blessing and it's important for us to remember that because I think that oftentimes we can be ashamed of the gospel and we we can get quiet with the gospel. And I think this is why Paul writes what he does in verse 15, the last half of it. He says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. He says, this is a beautiful thing. Don't don't be ashamed about this because again, when you share the gospel with the person, you are sharing one of the most powerful things this world could ever hear Literally, the power of God unto salvation. But if your experience is like mine, not everyone you share the gospel with is so accepting of it, are they? Not everyone you share the gospel with wants to hear the gospel, it is for the gospel. And like I mentioned, our experiences can tend to make us think wrongly about this. We can have been rejected from this family member or this person, and we can begin to wonder is this really the power of God and the salvation? I mean, I know that's what it says. It says it's supposed to have this punch, this impact. But as I'm telling this person, that person, it just seems like it, nothing's going on with it. What What is going on? Can you believe that such beautiful news? Isn't that what God says it is? Can you believe that such beautiful news, the gospel? Can you believe that such powerful news, the gospel, that such simple news as the gospel, that even a child can receive it? Can you believe that more have not when they are exposed to it? What's going on there? It makes you begin to wonder. And and if that's you, it's been me, I'll just admit that to you. Verse 16 comes in right after this. He says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. This is Isaiah talking. Isaiah was feeling what you and I have felt when we give the gospel at times. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Now, the context there, remember, Isaiah was... In chapter 6 of the book there, he surrenders to go as God's messenger. And He he sees the glory of God and how he's trained for the temple. And Isaiah is so moved by what he sees of God. And, and he hears God. He wants to give a message to people. And so Isaiah volunteers and says, here am I. You Send me. I'll, I'll give your message if you let me do that. And so so God lets him do that. But as you go through the book, you notice that by the time you get to chapter 53... Which is where Isaiah says this statement here, who's believed the report? Isaiah's frustrated. Isaiah has went through all of those chapters, however long that was. He goes through all of that time of giving the message to this city and to that city and to that place and to this person, and, no, and it's, it, it didn't matter where he went and how much he gave it, it's as if it didn't matter. He says, "No one's believed in the report. I'm, I'm saying what you told me to say, it doesn't matter." He was frustrated. And I think we can feel that way sometimes. You say, well, what do we do when we feel that way? What's the answer? Well, Paul goes on. We say, why would God send Isaiah in the first place? Look at verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You say, okay, again, why would God send Isaiah why would God prompt me and burden me for my neighbor to give the gospel? Because last time I did, he didn't do anything. So is that really God trying to get me to talk? Is that really the spirit of God? Why would God do that? Here's why. Because without them hearing the word of God, there is no chance for salvation. It is by them hearing the word of God that then the faith can begin activating in them. They have to hear it. And that's why God does that. You, you understand that if there ever is a chance for a person to come to faith, it's going to be because they heard the word of God. And, and that's how he designed it. And, and this is not, this is a biblical thing. If you, uh, Acts chapter 10, I'll just, you don't have to turn there, but I'll just give the account. Acts chapter 10, for example. You have a man named Cornelius, a devout man, the Bible says, and one that feared God with all of his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. I think he's beaten me some days of my Christian life, okay? This guy's amazing. The Jews were respecting this guy. And, and, and you know what? It wasn't good enough for God, was it? No, God responds to him, reaching out to him. You know why God responds? Because this, I believe God does this. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. So God sees Cornelius looking for him and searching for him. And so God says, okay, uh, here's an angel. He sends a messenger to him and he says, you need to go find a man named Peter. He's going to tell you what you need to do. Meanwhile, Peter's on the other side of town. I can't walk because of the camera. Peter's on the other side of town, and he's having the crazy dream about this sheet coming down from heaven, and there's creeping things and wild beasts and all kinds of stuff on this, and God's telling him to eat it, and he's like, I don't get that. It's a creepy dream. I would be scared if I had that dream. He's having this dream. Either way, just cut it into it. Uh, God's letting them know, I, I, you're going to go to some Gentiles. I, I'm not keeping this over here. So, so while that's happening, these two men find Peter. Peter follows them back to Cornelius. As Peter and Cornelius begin talking, it, it makes sense to, to Peter what's going on here. God is, is opening the way of salvation for him. And so Peter tells them this in verse 43 of chapter 10. He says this, to him give all the prophets witness, listen, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive Remission of sins. Now, do not miss what's not said. Notice that God does not say, Peter does not say to Cornelius, hey, man, God's noticed. You didn't grow up in any of this stuff. I know you're not a natural, you're not, a, you're not an Israelite, you're an outsider, you're doing the best you can. I mean, you're even outdoing some of our own people. I mean, you're doing the best you can. You're so sincere. You know, God sees that. And so because of that situation, God has already accepted you. He did not say that to him. He says, if you want to know the God you're looking for, here's how it works. And he told him the message about Christ. And as you go to the next chapter in chapter 11, Peter is recounting this story to the other apostles who who are blown away that God was opening this door here. And he just tells them, hey, God sent me, I'm paraphrasing, God sent me to tell them the words he needed to hear for salvation. That's how it works. Cornelius had to hear the message. And to hear the message, Peter had to go preach to him. And to preach it, God sent a person. Now, now, time out. Just think about it. Wouldn't it have been easier if God had just sent the angel that he did send to him with the message? Why, why didn't God just have the angel say, Hey, um, you need to go to Christ? He's the way of salvation. Why didn't he have the angel get the message? Because that's not how God decided to work. God has decided to work through preachers. I mean, I'm talking about you and me. He's decided to work through us. You, you can either go to, the, I'll give you one other example to see how this works in the scripture in Acts chapter 8. You have the Ethiopian eunuch, he's, he's reading about Isaiah. Uh, he's reading about Jesus in Isaiah 53, like the most prophetic passage you could read in the Bible. And he doesn't understand it. So because he's seeking God, what does God do? He, he, he honors his word. He's seeking. He's going to find him. So what does God do? God calls him out of the, uh, that revival there. He goes all the way into a, a, a desert area. Like leaves a thriving event and goes into a desert area. And in getting there, then he sees, this is why I'm here. So he goes up to the chariot. Philip goes up to him and he says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He says, he says how, how can I? Except some man, some preacher should guide me. And once he explained to him the scripture, what happened? He got saved. You see, but this is the process. That this, is, this is how this works. Because I'll just say this. If it all ends up okay in the end, then there's no reason for missions. There's no reason to, to, to have the urgency to go to those corners and to go to those areas because God's going to overlook all that. No, that's not how this works. They all know there's a God. They've all rejected him, and they're going to be guilty before him. They're going to be guilty before him, and so something has to be done about that. But you might think, okay, well, well then I understand that, but what about the rest of the people that we run into that, that have heard and they're, they're fed up with the gospel? They don't want to hear the gospel. What, what, I mean, how, how, do we, how do we understand them? Well, if you think that's a hard question, Paul is gonna go uh, one step farther because even more astounding than those that do not believe that you and I would know is the fact that Israel didn't. And the fact that Israel didn't. I mean, seriously, God's own hand-picked people that were given the prophets, that were given the law, that were given abundant revelation, that saw all of that, they rejected. They rejected that. Why did they do that? What's going on there? Well, this is where verse 18 and 21 comes in. Paul is going to lay out the only three possible reasons why Israel did not believe, and these are the same three today. And it's important for us to recognize these because it helps us know what to do with these people. Verse 18, but I I say, have they not heard? So so that's the first reason that would be this. Why aren't people saved? We already know, right? Verse 14, because they haven't heard yet. It's not, they're not rejecting, they're not confused with Pentecostalism or Catholicism. They just haven't heard. That, that, that's their problem. Okay, so he asked that about Israel. Has Israel heard? Well, look what he says. Um, yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. You, what Paul is doing there, if you didn't know, is he is quoting from Psalm 19, which where, he, where God says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth, it's clearly seen. His handiwork, day into day, utter his speech, and night and night. You say, well, to what extent does God's revelation, does God's light, as John talks about it, to, to what extent does that get known to the world? Verse 3 of Psalm 19, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Here, God's established this back from the beginning. There is not a place on this earth, just base level all of my creation knows me. They know about me. That's what he's saying there. But Israel he says verily even more. And so that's the first reason they haven't heard yet. But they're still accountable because they know him. Well what would be the another reason? Well verse 19. But I say did not Israel know? Okay so, so they heard but maybe it's like these false religions maybe they're just confused. They just don't understand. Well well, look what he says. First, Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. And by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. And I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Now, if you didn't pick up what he's doing, what Paul is doing, he's going all the way back as early as Moses and he's working his way up to Isaiah. And he is establishing the case for us very solidly that Israel was very well informed about what God was doing. It isn't an issue, did they understand, or did they know this? Both of those prophets wrote about God turning to the Gentiles. And even if they hadn't, they, the, the, the Jews had seen on more than one occasion God reaching out to the Gentiles. People like Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba These were Gentiles that God had grafted into his nation and and grafted into his people. And then God sends Jonah to go to Nineveh. And Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. And and what was the problem that Jonah had with Nineveh? It was that he knew that God was merciful and slow and that he would turn. He knew that, and because he understood the nature of God, he didn't want to go to them at all. See, this is the thing. Israel knew They understood. So what's the issue then? It's in verse 21, and this is where we find much of America. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient in gainsaying people. See, why would he say disobedient? It's disobedient because God's commanded us to repent. It's been a command. The Bible says in Psalm Acts 17 that at that time God winked at in ignorance, but now he commandeth every man everywhere to repent. This is a command. This is given to us, and we're either going to submit ourselves to that or we're going to go against it and be disobedient. You see, God was reaching out to Israel. He says, I've reached my hands out. How? Uh, John the Baptist and the prophets were God reaching out to him and Christ coming. And then Christ... Statements about himself. He was the bread of life and the living water and the door and the truth. That was God reaching out to his people, but what did they do as he reached out? They rejected him. Even at the end of his ministry, he says, how oft would I have gathered you, right? He says, but ye would not. Forget about Calvinism. They didn't want it. God couldn't make them want it. They didn't want to have that. And so what did they do? They rejected the offer, why? Because they didn't want it. And that's the same reason that you and I run into today, isn't it? But here's the reality of that. And in either of the three cases, whether they've heard, whether they understand, or whether they've rejected, they're going to go to a sinner's Well, That's so cruel. No, God's not willing that any should perish. So, so what has God done? Well, God has called us to go to them, hasn't he? God has commissioned us to go to every creature not just these creatures or those ones but every creature why so that they can have a chance of salvation god has commissioned us to do that but you might think like 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 we run into but 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 they don't want to hear what what do we do with those that don't want to hear you give them the gospel well did you not hear what i said they don't want to hear i understand what what you're thinking But let me tell you what God says. God says, if they don't hear the gospel, they don't have a chance. So here's what happens in us, and I'll be the first to admit this. There are times where my witness isn't as strong as it should be, and you know what leads to those? The fact that I'm like, they're probably not going to listen. You ever felt that way? Yeah, we, we, we can begin to profile people and say, well you know this area or at that place or at that work you know that person is just not working out listen we we aren't god we don't know how god's working in people's hearts we don't know it's like that it's like the the my, my realtor seven and a half years earlier i shared the gospel and he was like no that's a joke but seven and a half years earlier i had no idea what had happened in that man's life god had been working in his life to bring him to a point as he was seeking god God had superintended it, that we were to be together. And if I had not shared the gospel with him, I don't know if he'd be saved right now. But I do know this. I did did what I could have said. It's not going to matter because everybody shared the gospel. And because I was obedient at that time, which I'm not always, but because I was at that time, a man came to salvation. One that, for all intents and purposes, would never have or shouldn't have. What's your point? Don't write people off. I don't care if it's your uncle that you've shared the gospel 20 times. It may be 30 times they need to hear the gospel. And, and, and God may prompt you and prompt you say, but why would God prompt me when the last time it blew up in my face and I talked to my dad or I talked to my uncle or I talked to my, to my neighbor and they blew up and got angry and said, don't ever talk to me again. Well, why would he do that? Well, because it may take 30 times. I would imagine that many of you didn't accept the gospel the very first time either, did you? So thank God for the second time. Thank God for the third time. And so God may prompt you to give them the gospel, even though they may reject, because that may just be one more piece in the puzzle that they need. So where's my point? Be obedient to the Spirit of God. Be sensitive to the Spirit of God. God is, will burden us, and God will, will put people on our heart. Why? Because they are looking for him, and they need to be looking for him. And giving the gospel is a beautiful thing. So don't don't do this. Is the second reason we don't give the gospel is because we feel it's a burden. We either profile people and assume something, or we feel like it's not gonna work. It's a shame to us, it's like it's awkward. It's not a burden. It's a beautiful thing. That you could share some statements with people, the living word of God, and in that moment they could go from an eternity from heaven, from hell to heaven. That's a beautiful thing. And that God would entrust us with that is, is amazing right now they say there's about 2.8 billion people in the 1040 window alone who have little to no access to the gospel little to no knowledge of the gospel they're like that man from iran and they say that if you lined them up in a single file line that they would circle the earth 25 times and those people listen they will continue to be born to live and die without ever hearing the gospel yet they are accountable What are we going to do about that? Well, God's not willing anything happens, so what is God going to do? Here's what God does. God calls preachers. God calls people to go to these places to leave what they know, to leave their comforts. Why? Because there are people like a Cornelius looking. I wouldn't be surprised if even tonight, as I'm preaching, that because of the Spirit of God and his faithfulness to people, that the Spirit of God wouldn't be prompting you, even at your home, about a person or, or, or a place because there's a Cornelius looking. What do they need? Well, they need a Peter to go to them. Well, how is Peter going to get to them? Well, God's going to burden them. God's going to send them. God's going to make that work out. Because this is the sad reality I believe tonight. Uh, That that I understand many don't believe because they don't want to, but, but I think even more sad than that is that when a person would have accepted the gospel but never got a chance to do so because of our disobedience. So I want to encourage you it might be that you've gotten rejection after rejection with the gospel, and it has been, it made you begin to feel that Man, no one wants to hear. But if you let that discourage you, then, then please hear this. You are failing then to give them the only thing that could help them. God's left you here. See, God's called us to go to Brazil. Why would He do that? Because He's got people looking for Him there. I'm not special. Listen, I'm just as called as you are to give the gospel. God's just have me do it across the sea. But if God hasn't called you to go, it's because God has left you here in this area because you are to give the gospel to people. They have to hear it from somebody. And I believe that with every one of our lives, we should be saying to God, how could you use me? Here am I. Send me. How-, how could I give the gospel? Yeah, you may not be a missionary, but God may burden you to start some type of a ministry or, or, or to be involved in a ministry or support a ministry or to get involved in something to give the gospel Listen, as a youth pastor, I used a ball of air to lead kids to Christ. You say, what do you mean? Basketball. I literally got a basketball. I'd go down to the ghetto. I would get destroyed by these kids. I can't dunk. I know, I should be able to. I can't do that. I'd get destroyed in basketball, but you know what? After I was done, I would share the gospel. And kids, not every kid got saved. Not many kids got saved, but some did. And this is the thing. The gospel can be given out, it doesn't have to be given out on a certain day of the week. It's supposed to be our lifestyle. So, so your neighbors, have they heard? Your, your, your coworkers, have they heard from you the gospel? Your family, oh yeah, but they've rejected. I mean, I, I've gotten to the point now. Hey, what number are they on? 20, 30? Maybe, maybe you're going to be that turning point for them. It might be. Here's my point, though. I wouldn't be surprised if God is stirring up some of you at this very moment because there's someone looking. Because that's God's nature. God says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. He says that. It's a promise. And I would not be surprised if God would raise up someone here to go. Maybe not across the sea, but maybe just to another friend or go back to your grandma or grandpa because listen now is the time for salvation and they need to hear that message have you been obedient to that this last week how much of your week included the gospel let's think about that how much of it included the gospel because this is a life or death situation if you pray with me this evening father thank you